Hello there, Dr. Robert Garcia. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me tonight. I appreciate your willingness to dive into what can be a tough topic sometimes. No problem, Tammy. Glad to, uh, glad to be here and thanks for having me. So lately I've been talking about things called elephants in the room. And I believe hoarding is one of those issues that we often don't talk about or disclose. And so basically, I think we need to have some critical, critical conversations around that issue. And therefore, here we are. I do have some questions and uh, really I want this to be a no holds barred conversation. It's about you. <coughs> your experiences and the things you choose to share um, about about the issue so um, tell us a little bit about you yeah I uh, I grew up in a small logging town in Northern California called Eureka and um, a low-income family and uh, the main family member that hoarding affected was uh, my grandmother and she lived through the depression. And I think that that's probably a big, um, big um, reason for her behavior. So while I was growing up as a little kid, I always remembered that her house uh, was always floor to ceiling with clothes, garbage. She would always go to yard sales and just buy all this stuff. And she would load up her truck, um, twice a year and go to Mexico and give a, give a lot of stuff away to poor people, <clears throat> which is actually um, counterintuitive because traditional hoarding behavior means you never give out anything. You never give up stuff. You never throw it away. You never, you know, it, it, it's a matter of hoarders are collectors and in my opinion anyway. Um, but she would give her stuff away and then just go to yard sales and just store it up. And then her garage is completely full. And to give people an idea of, of the severity of the issue, um, there were bedrooms that were completely, I'm talking floor to ceiling, like you could walk in two feet and that was it. Um, with everything you could imagine, cardboard boxes, toy, old toys, you know, clothes, newspapers, magazines, whatever. And every room in the house was like this. Um, even the living room had just piles of stuff and everyone just kind of, <clears throat> no one ever really confronted her about it. They just figured she was messy. And back in the eighties, it was, it was a little bit more, um, I don't want to say accepted, but it was, it wasn't looked down upon as, you know, at, like today it would be. So. And that that's, was, uh, go ahead. Oh, uh, that was, that was my experience. And so I just always remember growing up around that. And so I almost, you know, as a little kid, you don't process things. You don't, you don't uh, observationally, you don't understand like how things are. And so she was like this with my mother and my aunt as well. And so they grew up around this and, and, uh, and it affected them as well in, in certain ways. So it was, um, and then at 14, I had to go live with her. So we'll get into that in a minute. I'm sure you're going to ask some questions or, you know, share some stuff. <laughs> well, thank you. <clears throat> and thanks for describing it because I don't think in general, unless you've seen it or experienced it, you don't get the oppressive feeling of stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, and how much that can impede just normal activities, like being able to put up a Christmas tree. I remember it being a real battle because that meant you had to move things, and that was like not acceptable. 
to move stuff um, if it wasn't the person that hoards idea to move it. Um, so how, how would you say that has affected some of the choices that you made ultimately, like to leave or, you know, was it a driving force? It definitely, um, it definitely kind of changed the way that I, I was as a, a younger person. And, and uh, I eventually ended up leaving my county at 19 just to get away from everybody because everyone in my family was either a drug addict or severely mentally ill or an alcoholic. Um, and everyone that would come through my grandmother's house was just some kind of problem. Um, so when I was 14, I had, to, I had to move in there in that house to start high school. And, um, my uncle would break in when I was at school and steal my stuff so he could buy meth. And, mm -hmm. you know, it just, there was no, there was no white picket fence. There was no, um, traditional family model. It was just me and, and my mom and she was kind of doing a lot of drugs at the time. So she wasn't always around. And then my grandmother, I think was at a different, no, 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 sorry. That was ninth grade. She had died by then. And so Yeah, I gotta think about the years exactly, but but she um she died around that time, um, early high school. But just the the real long term effects of having that environment was shame. Um I was embarrassed to bring my friends over to my house. I didn't wanna ever like bring girls over. I didn't um it hurt my ability to feel and interact like a normal kid. Um definitely didn't want to date anybody. And it just, it, it robbed me of a lot of my confidence as a young person. And it definitely um, led to some behaviors as an adult that, uh, that were odd. Um, and hoarding affects people in, in different ways. And the only good thing is I didn't grow up to be a messy person. I didn't grow up to, you know, I always recognize that behavior and I was like, go out of my way to throw things away if I don't need them. Um, so, because I, I know the symptoms and I know, I know what real messiness looks like and I know how to kind of identify, okay, you're, you know, you don't need this, get rid of it. So that's a good thing, I guess. It seems like the shame and the not having friends over and that isolation is really a common theme for people who have gone through that. And, um, <clears throat> I think it really makes it difficult as an adult in some ways to kind of overcome some of that same fear factor. Um, as far as are, are people going to judge me or make fun of me because of my environment? And um, I can definitely see where it impacts some of the choices that we make um, as we move forward in our lives. Um, how did it affect, you know, family relationships? Did it, I mean, did you have a relationship with your mom or your grandma outside of, you know, the stuff or how did the stuff impair that relationship? My mom was, uh, actually very, she was one that eventually cleaned out the house when my grandmother died. My mom hated it because she grew up around this stuff too. Right. And my, my mom was a young mom. She had me at 21 and, um, and it just uh, ultimately it just led to a slew of issues. It led to a slew of problems. Um, 
the the house was disgusting. There were cockroaches and mice and vermin. Um, and just, you know, it was probably a health hazard and it was, it was just pretty, pretty bad. You know, you don't want to go home. You don't want to deal with any of that stuff. You just feel dirty all the time. You have shame and, um, and the person themselves, they don't want to have, uh, you know, they don't want to have interventions. They don't want to talk about it. That's just their life. And they get mad if you bring it up. So it's, it's, it's important to definitely seek out treatment and, you know, get them some help and let them know, Hey, you've got a problem because it's affecting other people. Mm -hmm. If it's just you, it's not as big of a deal, but if you've got family members living there, especially kids, then, um, you know, you've got to address the situation. You can't just sit back and let it happen. Mm -hmm. And it seems that now, even now, I mean, my experience was also in the eighties and it seems like even now, people don't really seem to know what to do when there's kids involved. It's almost like, Oh yeah. Okay. Kids live here. Uh, And it's more about keeping the family together than it is really addressing the issues around what is driving the family apart. And it just seems that way to me. Yeah. You got two types of behaviors usually in these situations. Um, You have the people that go along with it, the enablers who just figure, you know, Oh, it's okay. Or they're just being them or whatever. And then you have the people that actually want to make some type of um, some type of change happen, which is good. And so that's why I think it's great what you do because you offer treatments, you offer um, conflict resolution, you know, strategies, all that good stuff. Besides this, the actual physical aspect of cleaning, um, you help people to, to address it directly without being overly, overly hostile, which is great. And, and that hostility is really true. I think, well, there's a lot of anger in those situations, I think directed at the person that hoards. Um, but I think there's also a lot of internal anger that we can't, because we can't control it. We can't change it. And so I just think that anger is a huge component to those situations and it's very emotionally charged which is why it's helpful to have a neutral kind of a neutral person be part of that resolution and often for family members that is really difficult to be that neutral person Um, yeah it's um it's definitely interesting because you're dealing with a mental illness. The person doesn't feel like they're wrong. They feel like you're intruding on them. You're evading their privacy. You know, you're, you're going to, you're going to take away their security. Um, it's a lot of things. And so, you know, I came back from my deployment and then I had to deal with a situation with a whole different set of relatives. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I really appreciate that you and I had to have that talk and, and you helped me out with a lot of strategy. So thank you for that. Um, but it was uh, definitely disheartening you know, when, when I go see the relatives, the, the ones that always yelled at me as a little kid to clean my room and to keep the house, you know, neat and all this stuff. And they were real, we're talking hospital corners folded on my bed. Mm. Um, they were, they were the exact opposite. Like they really like, like stayed on me as a little kid. And then I go stay with them and, and just the place is filled. Like there are piles of just newspapers and, mm-hmm. and, um, cat toys and, and slippers and clothes and magazines and newspapers, just everything in the living room, just like, what the hell happened? You know? <laughs> and, um, and just one of my relatives just said, uh, had, uh, just kind of over the years, 
the bathroom was comp- like I showed you pictures of the counter. It was ridiculous. It was it was you couldn't even see counter. Mm-hmm. It was just covered in bottles and makeup and stuff. And then the bedroom was floor to ceiling once again. And I just I just was stunned. And I tried to have a conversation with them. I offered to help them. They didn't want to do that. They were openly hostile. Um, I offered to bring somebody in to help clean. I offered to just send some money and they're just like, no, I don't want any of that. Blah, blah, blah. You know? And, and, um, so it was just complete denial and it was complete, just shut down. And so you and I talked about it and we agreed that the solution was as long as, you know, my relative wasn't, um, in danger or there wasn't a fire hazard that we would just have to let the situation be and and just run with it. So I didn't like that that solution, but it was, you know, it was all I could do at the time. And a lot of times that ends up, it's not necessarily resolving it, but one aspect of it is the safety. And if they're relatively safe, then yeah. a lot of times our hands are tied. People get to choose how they live, even if it's, like you said, disheartening and like, wow, what happened here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to pick your battles. Yeah. And that's what it ultimately comes down to is picking your, you know, is this one worth fighting for? And yeah. and you hope that something doesn't happen, you know, that is caused by the level of stuff they have. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you've had a lot of experience dealing with that part of it. And I'm, I'm happy that I was able to shed some light <laughs> Um, yeah. on on those things um so how do you how do you deal with this now i mean do you do you keep a distance from those relatives or, i mean how is your boundaries around that well I, I dealt with two different sets of relatives so the first set's passed away now both of them so it's you know not an issue and the second set um they're still around i backed off on the one that was being very um hostile towards me and so i just kept it i keep it very civil um, you know, it's my grandmother, my other grandmother's place. So she's, she's okay. She's happy. She's 90. She's kicking. So, um, so I just, uh, if she's as long as she's happy, as long as she's okay with it, then, um, I guess I can just, uh, I don't know. I guess I can just kind of let it, let it be as it is. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what you got to kind of ask. You got to gauge and assess and say, okay, is this a dangerous situation or is this manageable? And what's the attitude of the person living there? Um, you know, if there's a different situation where there were kids there or there were a lot of animals or it was just out of control and, and just, just um, vermin, you know, there's, it's just a, every situation is different. You gotta make that assessment. And there is a fine line and oft, I mean, it's not always filthy or dirty. Sometimes it's just stuff, yeah, but a lot of clutter and you almost hope that that's what you're dealing with and that you're not dealing with filth and rotten food and road hygiene and human waste and you know needles and yeah if you get into biological stuff then it's time to do something you have to yeah and the and the hazmat aspect comes into play in some of those scenarios which people don't always realize that that is something they could be encountering when they just want to help there's a lot more to it than that sometimes um so how did you decide to leave that environment i mean did you were you forced to leave did you i mean i hear all kinds of reasons why people get out of those situations so what what made you say all right i'm out 
Um, I turned 18 and it was just, I just had to leave the state. Like I was just uh, dealing with too many idiot family members, <laughs> um, too many drugs, too many bad life choices. And I just had it. So I just left my city and that was it. I never went back. Mm-hmm. Um, never moved back. I, I visit once in a while, but, but, um, ultimately I just had to declare my own independence and just do my own thing. And it's worked out fine. Mm-hmm. And what would you tell people now that are dealing like living in that? I mean, if you were a kid now or a teenager living in that, what would you say to them? I would encourage them to just, just save up their money, go get a job as soon as they can and just save up their money and move out when they're able to. Um, you know, you could try and have a conversation with the the hoarder, but they're not going to change their behavior. Ultimately um, they're too ingrained in their own, their own, um, mental uh problems and so statistically speaking they're not going to change so just hang in there keep your hope up and and realize that your whole life isn't going to be like this it's going to get better that you have choices you know yeah just um so we kind of did talk about like your personal boundaries but what would you say to someone that hoards what would you tell them to to do or if it, if it's somebody that thinks they have an issue with hoarding, they need to get an outside verification first of all. Um, just ask some people and and just say, hey, do you do you feel like I'm exhibiting hoarder behavior? Mm-hmm. And because um, a lot of times hoarders can't self diagnose, they don't they don't see the actual issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you feel like you gotta go get help, go talk to a counselor. Go try and isolate the reason why um, you feel the need to compulsively collect things you know, is that a security? Is it old, you know, trauma? It could be abuse. Um, horrors do this stuff for, for a number of reasons. For my grandmother, it was the depression, just not ever having anything and, and a, a need to compulsively have things around her. So, um, go seek out help and go, uh, go, go do it, not for yourself, but for the people around you that love you. And that's really the truth is they have to see that there's an issue and be willing to work on it. Otherwise you have these fruitless arguments that never get anywhere. Yeah. And it, it really destroys relationships is what I, what I see. And finding ways to restore that can be really challenging if that person totally ignores the fact that they have a problem. Yeah. So now that you no longer are in it do you see the situation differently do you see um like were you angry before and now maybe you have more compassion or has that shifted at all no i um i i mean you know we're talking like 30 years ago so i can't really get mad about it i look at it as one of those hurdles that i'm glad i got through um, it made my life challenging and it gave me a lot of, uh, bad memories, but, um, but overall I just, uh, it's one of those things just toughened me up, I guess. It made me a lot more, um, resilient in life. And it also taught me, you know, taught me about behaviors to look out for in other people. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the resiliency because I was thinking about that. I was like, well, how, how did that cause you to be more resilient you know and and how did it and basically it does you know when you deal with that you learn that you can 
pretty much survive anything. Um, I don't think I thought that till I went to boot camp, but <laughs> at that point I was like, well, if I can get through this, I can get through anything. But um, it seems like hoarding is and, and living through that is similar. You know, you figure out, well, I lived through that, you know, what else can I, what I, can I do? So yeah. what, what, is there any part of that now that you feel like you've brought forward into your business and into your success? You know, is there some aspect of that that made you go, I'm going to make it? I just, I just feel like it, um, growing up like that, like going without and just dealing with a very unpleasant situation for years at a time, just kind of, uh, it did kind of make me more, um, I guess a little harder on the edges and a lot more, more determined to, to create success for myself just so I could live in a decent place and, and have a, have a, um, the kind of place I always dreamed of living in as a little kid, you know, someplace nice where I wouldn't feel shame. And that's, you know, I got it. That's why I host dinner parties in my house so that I could, I could just flip the script and actually love having people over. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And being, getting to that point where you can do that is very affirming. Like you've really moved past it or moved on, it would seem. Yeah. It's, it's cathartic and it's kind of a, a, a way of just thumbing my nose at all those old memories <laughs> and how far I've come. And that's the exact opposite is when you can just have 30 people in your house and, and um, you don't have to worry about, you know, mice scurrying across the floor, or people breaking and stealing your stuff or anything stupid like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So how, what do you do now and how, how can people get a hold of you? You know, how, how can we support you now? Um, well, I'm a business strategist in San Diego, so I help people to uh, monetize their skill sets or to get uh, growth and and uh, growth and visibility throughout their their businesses. Uh, if they want to reach me, my website is yournextlevelsuccess.com. And ultimately, if you I don't really need people to support me, but if you want to just reach out and have a conversation, you know, I'm always happy to to talk to people and and um, and uh, see if I can help them out with their lives. That's about it. <laughs> well, I've gained a lot of encouragement and wisdom from knowing you and connecting with you over the past couple of years. And I'm very appreciative of, of what you do and helping people see that their mission is greater than they might first realize. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else you would like to share or make sure people know or... I, I just want to let people know, especially if they're the family of hoarder, hoarders, um, just do what you can to get help and uh, assess the situation and understand that they're a lot of times they are dealing with things that are in their mind that are out of their out of their physical control and and sometimes you will have to intervene, especially if their if especially if their kids involved. Don't wait, don't make don't make a kid go through a crappy childhood like they uh, deal with mine. Um, get involved if you have to, if you have to call an outside agency, do it, but don't let the situation lie dormant. It's not going to get better on its own. It never does. So that's my advice. Yeah, that's very true. <clears throat> um, it, it does not get better um, on its own for sure. 
Well, thank you for um, being willing to chat with me about this and I really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to sharing this with folks. No problem, Tammy. Thanks so much for what you do. I really appreciate it. And it's, it's definitely helped me out a lot in my life and my own uh, mental well-being. Well, I'm glad to help. <laughs>